At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. <clears throat> Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. A Wednesday hump day here on Birds 365. Just trying to get through the weeks. Click them off until we actually get back on the field. Eagle action when training camp gets underway. McDonald and McMullen trying to come up with storylines and angles to talk about with you guys every single day. We'll have a good helping hand today because we got two good guests joining us. Uh, Ross Tucker will hop aboard in less than... 20 minutes from now, a little later, uh, Jeff Moser from uh, InsideTheBirds.com will be on. Uh, Johnny Mac, know that putting up new content uh, as often as you can for JacobSports.com, you're looking for Eagle Angles as well. And I like the one you had just recently about mentorship, that the Philadelphia Eagles have some uh, very good Pro Bowl level, all pro level players who are in their 30s on their roster, but are grooming the guys who are eventually going to take their place. The two most prominent are Jason Kelsey at center on the offensive line and Fletcher Cox in the middle of the defensive line uh, with the top two Eagle draft picks uh, being at their sp- uh, prospective positions. You buy the Eagle players are good with mentorship, that uh, they get it, that they're there for a period of time and then they need to pass the baton to the next generation of Eagle players. You think that's happening uh, this summer at Eagles camp? 
I, I, I buy it with those two players. I don't buy it with every player. I think it's all dependent on, on sort of, uh, where you are in your career, how you grew up in your career, who helped you on the way up, um, and and all these kinds of things create this atmosphere where, in the case of of, of Jason Kelsey, for instance, you know, Howie Roseman even said, you know, they ran it by him, um, and he kind of laughed and he said, well, you know, you've been drafting my replacement for eight years now. Go <laughs> ahead. Um, and, and not um, – he obviously Jason was joking about it, but you know, they've been thinking about it and he's been very honest that he's year to year. So he understands the situation and he understands the Eagles have to prepare for the day when he finally says, you know what? It is year to year. And this was my last year. And I think a lot of people are at least leaning towards this will be Jason Kelsey's last season in, in Fletcher's case. You know, he's a little bit different in that he's probably planning to play longer than Jason Kelsey. Um, and in theory, you know, the, the, the Eagles reworked this deal. So now he's on a year to year plan from a contract standpoint in Philadelphia. So he could go in a different direction. But I think in, in Fletcher's case, when he was a young player, uh, he had guys who took him under his wing and he kind of sees it that way. Whereas, you know, we've seen it most notably with um, quarterbacks and certain high profile quarterbacks have said, it ain't my job to mentor this guy. Um, And I see it from that avenue as well, because I kind of agree with that, actually, to be honest. Um, It shouldn't be a player's job to to mentor a young player, rookie player, whatever. But it's nice when you have it and the Eagles have it. At, at a couple positions, a uh, couple important positions, a couple important young players. And that's, you know, that's a good thing. And the Eagles, oh, by the way, uh, if we're talking about offensive line, have a pretty good mentor there who's the offensive line coach. Not that Jason Kelsey can't help out and uh, raise the level of a guy like Jurgens uh, over the course of a year, but. I kind of trust Stoutland, the offensive line coach, to uh, get the young man up to speed. Uh, Your stance on uh, Fletcher Cox I also get, but I'm trying hard to understand. Didn't Fletcher say when he met with you guys, yeah, I felt the need to stick my head in? Uh, is is that how you get somebody mentioned sticking your head in during your Well, that, it, it is part of it, and the fact that um, – you know, I say all the time, look, OTAs aren't uh, aren't important for players like Fletcher Cox and Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson, et cetera. And the fact that Fletcher, uh, and he actually explained this, you know, and, and you mentioned Jeff Statland. Look, it's not about coaching. It's not about teaching. You have, in theory, in the case of Statland, a very good, one of the best uh assistant coaches forget about offensive line coaches one of the very best assistant coaches in the nfl that's their job to teach guys technique and fundamentals but you can't really impart to young players if you're a coach i'm sure you can to a certain degree but you don't have the same connection whether it's generational what have you you know one thing fletcher brought up is you know teaching guys how to be professionals, teaching guys how to be an NFL player. 
and and that's why you brought up popping in. In other words, what he was saying is, I don't have to be here, but I want to be here to pop in to show other guys uh, how you should do it. You got to keep yourself in shape. Um, you got to show up in shape. You can't be sitting on the couch. You use that phrase. Um, and and that's sort of, you know, leading by example, showing guys how to be professionals. You don't just You don't just go away like the Eagles are away right now. And, you know, certain guys, Jalen Hurts, uh, is going to work like crazy. Isaac Sayamalo, you know, mentioned he's not taking any time off as he gets back from his Liz Frank injury, continues his rehab. Lane Johnson's going to be working out in this bro, bro barn when he gets back from Texas. And um, he's going to have a bunch of players working out with him. Um, but there's a, a lot of players that go off by themselves and you don't know what they're doing. And, and, and some of them don't do what they're supposed to do. There's a a great story of Bryant McKinney. If people remember him, big left tackle, good, really good player. Um, During one of the lockouts where there was no, the the lockout season, there was no off season. He came back, he showed up at 400 pounds. He was done. He was done. Um, You know, I mean, it's it's Brandon Graham actually you know the Eagles do this little unscripted show on their website and Brandon Graham they they followed Brandon Graham around he's like and he mentioned you know people see the finished product they don't see the grind they don't see the grind to get to the finished product it takes a lot to get ready to play an NFL game never mind an NFL season and if you take six weeks off, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you're behind the eight ball. And and that's why, you know, when we when we're around draft time, Jody, people talk about, you know, do you love the game all the time? Because if you don't love the game and you're just paying it because you're really talented and you're gonna get paid a lot of money, you're probably not gonna live up to the hype because people are gonna people are gonna lap you. And uh, as Nick Sirianni likes to call it, the love ball uh, that uh, I grew up as a basketball player. So that was always ball. But uh, Nick Sirianni's world, football is ball. And he does like to use that phrase, how much do you love ball? Um, And I do believe Nick Sirianni just don't call loves ball. I think he loves being around it. I think he loves talking about it. I certainly know he loves coaching it. But I got to say, I was a little bit surprised. Uh, again, you and I have been down this road the last couple of months because uh, the Eagles have had the offseason they've had. Um, they're practicing less. They're subscribing to the theory that less is more. Less equals better health. And we'll see how it plays out. But I've been surprised by some of the Sirianni quotes because even if you and I believe that this is a directive from the organization, more so than a decision from Nick Sirianni, even though the the organization points to Sirianni as the point man in this decision, you and I don't necessarily buy that. Sirianni has turned around and kind of put it on the players. His quotes when you guys met last week included, well, I'm listening to them. And them wasn't Howie Roseman and Arch Tenota, which we might believe is the them that he is actually listening to, but them being the players that the players are saying that they don't need to overdo it in OTAs. 
And that came as a surprise to me. I didn't think Sirianni would go down that road. The organization put it on Sirianni's plate, and Sirianni is trying to, in part, put it on the player's plate. Do you really want to go there if you're the head coach? If your decision is to do less? Well, the players are telling me that we don't need this work as much. (laughs) Really? Um, You just, uh, I thought, eloquently stated how much work goes into getting ready for a game, if not a season in the NFL. And Sirianni saying... Well, I'm listening to the players here when we're doing that. If Fletcher Cox and uh, Jason Kelsey are out there, you just can't control it, guys. So that's why we're going seven on seven. We can't really even have a practice because they'll play too hard. Really, Coach? That's what you're going to do? The players want to work less? Yeah, I I, I guess you read into that more than I did. I mean, that's I, I think that's kind of understood, and I think that's kind of the – you know, I say it all the time. Those guys don't need off-season work. But off-season work's not about those guys. It's about the younger guys. It's about the developmental guys. Uh, and they do need that work. But I think that harkens back to last year um, when Nick was a rookie head coach and, and they still had all these COVID issues and he had the NFLPA fighting to to keep the protocols in place and the league wanted to lessen them a little bit and and give more time to the organizations and coaches. And they were wrangling back and forth. And there was a lot of talk that, you know, people were going to stay away, not only from Philadelphia, but all over the place. And um, uh, Nick didn't have a lot of cachets. He young as a rookie coach who, by the way, came off the radar, came out of left field. And all of a sudden he's the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and he wasn't going to put his foot down and say, no, we need this. We need that. We need, we not, we got to be here for mandatory minicamp. So he made this sort of uh, deal with the players and, and got their info and the veteran players are going to say, we don't need off season work. Um, and again, there's, there's certain players you trust that are going to do what they're supposed to do. And there's certain players you probably don't trust, uh, but that's, that's an organizational issue as well. Um, but I, I didn't read into it as he was throwing the players under the bus. And this was the reason I think it's kind of well known that veteran players don't get much value out of spring work. Um, and they're always going to default to that, but you know, this is one of the major problems. The NFLPA has a whole as a whole has, no matter what it is, collective bargaining, um, you know, when they're when they're discussing protocols in the case of the pandemic, it, it's always about the veteran players. It's always about the star players. It's always about them first. And the vast majority of players are the other guys. Yep. And they need off-season work, but they don't have the power to to generate that. And you might say there might be you know, the 88th guy on the roster says, damn, I'd like to be in there. I'd like to get an opportunity to be in front of the coaches. I, but what can he do, Jody? I mean, right. All but let, me, let, do- let, let, let me uh, follow up there. Isn't there strength in numbers? If we're mm. talking about a 90 man roster at this time of the year, uh, there are certainly 10, 15, maybe even 20 guys that you would consider veterans, been there, done that, more than three years under their belt, have established themselves. That's 20 out of 90. 
And if there's 90 guys at 70 on the other side, the CBA, when it's negotiating the union, really just look at those 20 over the 90 that they'll, because uh, they're generating a lot of money and they're more recognizable names. But isn't it the union's job to do what's best for the majority? Uh, it, it's nice to say, but, you know, I, I joke all the time, you know, what, it, what is the golden rule? It's like do unto others as they would do unto you or whatever it is. But the real, that's like, that's like, uh, you know, people want to believe that. Uh, and people want to believe what you just said. The real golden rule is those who have the gold make the rules. Mm. That's that's it. And forget about football. Look at look at politics. Look at society. Yeah, we're the majority in 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 the country in the world are 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 paupers. But we don't get to make the rules. The guys with the one percent get to make the rules. That's just the way it is. It's the way it's always been. The way it always will be. So it's nice to say I agree with you in theory. It should be more important, but it's not. So you can live in the real world or you can live in that that fake world is how I would describe it. It is, but I would like to see it because uh, in most walks of life, most things in life, you went to politics, elections are decided by just common votes, not by the people who have the gold. Uh, you would think. Yeah, but they spend would... the money to get those common votes. Yeah, true, They're, too. So the gold is still running it. They're just doing it a little bit, you know, Wizard of Oz-like behind the curtain, shall we say. All right. Uh, coming up, we're going to get our buddy Ross Tucker to join us. But uh, let me make this one point before we go to our first break, because I see it's been noted on uh, uh, the message board here. Uh, yours truly, Johnny, you had a day last week that you said uh, had to get in a lot of yard work. Was it weekend or whatever? Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So and yours truly a... tries to stay away from yard work as much as possible. But every once in a while, I have to go out and do some. And I was doing some yesterday and I quickly raised my head under a tree and I got myself a nice little cut on my head. My wife came in and said, what the hell is that? I guess blood was trickling down my head. And I, I, I got a concussion from tree work. No, I've been no, there, no concussion whatsoever. It was just a, a a limb that caught me square in the noggin. So someone noted, hey, is that a, a fly on Jody's head? Like Howie Roseman had a fly on his? No, that's just a little bit of a scar for me doing uh, we're gonna have to get Arsenota in here to get clear you, Jody. Yeah, I know I should be protocol. doing less. That's the way to avoid injury. But damn it, I'm a young guy who likes to keep working. I'm not here to just drop in and show my face. No, I'm here to do the work. What I also am as cheap as the day is long. And uh, my wife said you're gonna have to borrow a little of my makeup to cover that up on the show tomorrow. I said you don't understand, honey. It, we're not going for beauty points on Birds yeah. 365. Yeah. Between me and McMullen, nobody's tuning in to check us yeah. out. It's all about uh, the insight we may be rendering. It's got nothing to do with looks, and it sure as heck's got nothing to do with the knot on my head. But uh, thanks to whoever it was, oh, shoot, he's already moved by, who noted uh, that yours truly is paying attention. I give him props for paying attention. Uh, that I got a mark on my noggin, idiot. Hey, man. We're all, we're all, uh, 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 and the Eagles will tell you, we're all this close to the next injury. 
I'm living proof that is the case, but I don't care. I'm sucking it up, but I'm continuing to get it done. And if you want to make fun of the mark on my head, feel free to go ahead and join the stream. We appreciate you streaming in with us here on Birds 365. Joining us next, I'll bet you he looks good, better than me. That's not saying much. Uh, Ross Tucker is going to jump aboard. I think Ross is doing Eagles pregame. Uh, pre yeah, signed, uh, re-signed Eagles preseason analyst, Ross Tucker. So we're going to talk mostly Eagles with him, but we might have one or two NFL questions. Uh, Ross Tucker joins us next here on Birds 365. <clears throat> Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. On the field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. News, we cherish every moment, and it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go up, oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365, McMullen and McDonald, joined by our first guest, who in one way is a lot like John and myself. You've got a lot of different gigs. 
In other ways, not like us at all in that he actually played the National Football League. McMullen or I never got that close to the field unless we had a mic in our hands. Uh, former NFL player, jack of all trades, Eagles preseason host, host of the Rod, uh, Ross Tucker podcast. Ross Tucker joins us here on Birds 365. How you been, RT? I am doing awesome. Jody Mack, John Mack, appreciate you guys having me on. Our pleasure. Thank you much. All right. As a former offensive lineman in the National Football League, start here. Who's going to be the Eagles starting guard come opening week of the season? Yeah, I think it'll be Sayamalo. I'd be surprised if it's not. I think something probably goes wrong if it's not. I think it's Dickerson and Sayamalo, obviously. Sayamalo, I thought, was always pretty solid. His issue has been he's not elite like some of the guys around him, right? I mean, he's always been next to Kelsey or Jason Peters or Lane Johnson. And so – He's never kind of gotten the same love, and he shouldn't because he's not an all-pro or Pro Bowl caliber player. But I think they'd rather have, say, Amalo start. First of all, I think he's probably better than Driscoll. Secondly, you know, Driscoll's valuable as a guy that can back up a bunch of spots. You know, Driscoll kind of reminds me a little bit of the career I carved out for a while in that he's able to kind of fill in at a number of different spots. He's not going to lose the game for you. They're comfortable with him in there. I think they'd prefer to have Driscoll as the next man up. Yeah, in a lot of ways, I think it's unfair for Isaac, as you mentioned, Ross, and the fact that, you know, you have Jordan, you have Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey. uh, Landon Dickerson looks like he's on his way to being a star. Um, and, And you get points knocked off because you're not as good as those guys. Well, look around the rest of the NFL as you get to see. There is a lot of offensive line deficient teams in this league. And the Eagles have the Jack Driscolls of the world, the Andre Dillards. You could argue Cam Jurgens, at least from a trade standpoint. They got a bunch of starting level offensive linemen in this league. It's it's a testament to Jeff Stoutland, but also, you know, Howie and the personnel department to get these players in there. They decided a long time ago that they were never going to be shorthanded along the offensive line. And I think it's smart because every year you see a few teams that have injuries to a tackle or two, or maybe their center goes down and they're not the same. I mean, sometimes these teams can barely function with some of the guys they have in there at tackle. I guess the one thing that will be interesting about Isaac Sayamalo is just playing on the right side. You know, I'm sure he's getting a lot of reps there. I'm sure he's getting comfortable over there. But we've really only seen him primarily at left guard. It's not as easy as people think. You know, I at different points in NFL games, or at least in preseason games, I got in at all five spots. Uh, and it, it's not as easy as people think to just switch sides. What I like about it is that he's probably wor- been working on it all offseason, been getting all the reps there. So you'd think – by the time training camp rolls around and the preseason games that he'd be pretty comfortable in that right-handed stance on the right side. Russ, uh, Howie Roseman uh, kind of pulled the wool over all our eyes. During the offseason, before the draft, people ask, oh, you know that uh, there was some serious wide receiver talent that was traded in this league, um, including the Raiders and the Dolphins picking up two of the best wide receivers in Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. Uh, and how he said, well, the rest of the league is zig and I like the zag. And he does the exact same thing. He goes out, gets A.J. Brown, signs him to a big contract. 
at least financially the biggest Eagle acquisition during this offseason. Are the Eagles re- ready to become a pass-dominant team after having the success they had last year in the second half being a run-dominant team? How, how drastic is the change going to be in your eyes? Yeah, and the one point I would add, comparing A.J. Brown and Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, he's just a lot younger. You know, yeah. I mean, I'd, <laughs> I'd much rather give a guy a second contract than a third. So we'll see how it works out for Adams and Tyreek Hill. They're obviously fantastic players. You know, I don't think the Eagles are going to be a quote-unquote passing team. I think they might be a little bit more balanced this year. They certainly have the weapons to do so. I mean, I think Quez Watkins is going to end up being one of the best number three receivers in the league. You know, you see what he did last year. Last year was his first year really playing. He barely played as a rookie. Last year, he made a lot of plays for a guy that was a number two receiver on essentially the run heaviest team in the NFL. So they get a bunch of weapons. I think they'll be probably exactly where they want to be, closer to 50-50. But I, I certainly hope they don't get away from the run game. It was so dominant at times. It's really rare to see that. I mean, there there were games where it felt like Jordan Howard was getting like 12 yards of carry. I mean, yeah. you just don't see that in the big, NFL. Big, big, big holes, that left side, especially with Jordan and, and Landon Dickerson. You know, I, I want to go back to what you said, Ross, about Isaac and, and taking a lot of reps and getting used to being on the right side. Well, no, he hasn't taken a lot of reps. And I want to get your thoughts as a former NFL player, and I think he started in 2000, 2001. So we're talking about two decades. So it's not that long ago. And the Eagles don't practice, Ross. I mean, they had six OTA practices, no mandatory minicamp. Now, we know there's no pads and all that kind of stuff. But as a guy, and I've talked to you before, and you like the physical part of the game. I think you've said you like the violent aspect of the game, which you're not allowed to say anymore. So I applaud <laughs> you for that. Um, what what What's your take on the Eagles scaling back off-season work? And by the way, training camp practices as well, in-season practices. They don't practice as long. What is your take as a former player on how they run things these days? Yeah, I was born too early. I got to blame my parents for that one. Um, Now, you know, I get it. Um, There's major investments in these players. And there is a balance. There is a fine line, I think, between getting the work in that you want to get in, but also not wearing the players down and trying to make sure that they stay healthy, especially with the season being a game longer now. And I think every team especially since this will only be the second year with the 17 game slate. I think every team's trying to kind of figure it out. It felt like last year with COVID still hanging over everything that there were sort of a lot of negotiations that went on between coaching staffs and veteran players. And I think what happened is it seems like what happened in a lot of these instances, maybe the Eagles included was that, after they negotiated the plan for last year, I think that some of the coaching staffs thought it would kind of be hard to kind of go back on that now and add more to it, especially when the Eagles had so much success in the second half of the year and they did stay healthy for the most part. And they did seem fresher 
than the other teams they played against. You know, after all these years of all the Eagles injuries, it was kind of nice to see them be one of the healthiest teams in the NFL, though that is one of my concerns this year because, you know, it's it's a law of averages thing a little bit. Yeah. Russ, we enjoy when we get ex-players on there because can ask you to look at it from an ex-player perspective, as John just did. Let me ask you about leadership. Everyone sings the praises of Jalen Hurts that he's a take charge guy and the guys all like him and he is a guy who can motivate in the huddle. But then there's the actual production and making a play and throwing the perfect pass and um, getting the ball down the field. Which way does it play more heavily? Is it an attitude and a personality thing? Is it purely a production thing? Will players by, be led by guys who bring nothing to the table except the fact that they're great at what they do? Or can a guy who might not be up to snuff with the other quarterbacks in the league but truly is a guy that uh, players relate to and, and can connect with, can uh, someone like a Jalen Hurts be that kind of a very good leader? So, of course, it's a combination. But I would tell <laughs> you – there's sort of an inverse relationship between how good of a player you are and how much leadership capability that you really need. In other words, the better you are, the more guys will follow you, even if you're more deficient as a leader. Whereas the worse you are, you can be the greatest leader in the world. But if you're not getting it done and you're not, the player they need you to be, it doesn't really mean that much. I remember one team I was on and the coach was talking. We didn't really have a great leader in the offensive line room. And the offensive line coach, I remember he's like, you know, he named a couple guys like, you got to step up and be a leader. Yes. He's like, Tuck, you're a leader, but, and he didn't say <laughs> it, but I knew what he meant. <laughs> Meaning I was a leader but I wasn't really good enough to be the leader. And it's true. It was true, right? Like in every meeting room for a team, every positional meeting, O-line, D-line, receivers, right? You have to have a certain level of years in the league combined with production and starts and then the leadership capabilities, which is why a lot of teams try real hard to make sure they've got one guy in each meeting room that they want to be the guy that the other guys look up to and follow. Ross, uh, I know you got to run pretty quickly, so I want to get this question into you. We talked about A.J. Brown a little bit. A lot of big-name additions to this team. James Bradbury, draft. You have Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean. Everybody's excited about that. Howie Roseman doesn't get credit for those extensions, though, in season last year when he locked up Jordan Mailata, when he locked up Dallas Goddard, Josh Sweat, Avante Maddox, everybody kind of forgets about that. So I want to know biggest Eagles extension of those four or Ross Tucker doing uh, the Eagles preseason games. <laughs> that, to me, is the biggest one. And congratulations, well, and in fairness, by, by the way, John. <laughs> oh, 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 me. Yeah, no, yeah, yes. Yeah. Preseason. Yes. Well, I didn't sign that with Howie. And <laughs> certainly wasn't as much money as those other guys yeah. got. Yeah. Uh, but I, you guys know I'm from Reading. Grew yeah. up a diehard Eagles fan. So I love doing the preseason games. I, I think they're a blast. 
you know, because it's the Eagles broadcast and you know who you're yeah. talking to. You know, it's Eagles fans that are the ones watching. So it's really cool for me. Really cool, you know, for somebody from Reading, right? Because so much yeah. of the stuff's downtown Philly and the Philly suburbs. Uh, I think the people from Reading really appreciate that one of their own uh, is the guy doing the Eagles preseason games. And I, I certainly uh, feel that. I would say this, though, in fairness to Howie, nobody, no, no team fan bases give credit when a team yeah. extends yeah. their own Stay guys or re-signs their yeah. own guys. They don't yeah. count. Those yeah. free agents don't count. <laughs> and, and the biggest one, uh, it's either, to me, it's either Mylotta or Goddard. Um, I think both those guys would have gotten paid a tremendous amount of money on the open market, which is why Howie Roseman did those deals when he did. Frankly, all four of those guys would have gotten more money if they had waited, you know, whatever it was, 10 more games, 12 more games, which is why Howie Roseman and the Eagles did the right thing of locking them up and taking some of the injury risk off of those guys. But Mylotta, with the year he had and the upside, he would have gotten a crazy contract. Yeah, and a good job by Howie getting, them, getting it done. Um, all right, one more football question. Uh, again, tapping into your former expertise as a player uh, and a leader, uh, even if you weren't quite good enough, uh, <laughs> you needed to figure out ways to be able to get your job done if you weren't quite good enough. If you had to go up against a guy like Jordan Davis, who is not only a talented player, but a man child that is young and huge and strong, and you know you're not quite as big, but your job is to make sure he doesn't kill the quarterback. What is he going to be looking at this year when he's on the field? What will teams do to make sure this first-round draft pick of a rookie on a championship defensive line on college doesn't come into the NFL and have that kind of success right off the bat for the Eagles? Yeah, I think you just I think you just change things up on him and you test him and you see how many different techniques he's comfortable going against, right? So you can jump him. Um, which a lot of guys in college don't get very often, which is rather than setting back to pass protect, you go hit them right now. Because a lot of times they're not really expecting that. There are other things you can do with your hands. You know, if he, if he looks like he's going to really fire off, you snatch him, which is you basically pull the front of their jersey down, right? Because they're yeah. so they're leaning forward. Ah, you see a guy like that? We we just used to snatch him. So. He's going to learn some things the hard way, but you can't teach what he has. And I wouldn't be looking forward to it. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, I know the way my back and neck feel right now after, you know, 43 years old, it's just not good for your body to hit a human being like that. Yeah. I mean, that's just not, that's just not way, good. And, and I love the rotation of yeah. four guys because they're going to really be able to get him to be super fresh, almost going to be like the Flyers, right? It's going to be maybe a wrong time to bring up that. <laughs> it's going to be like a, a line change, right? Where they only want Jordan Davis to come in for two or three plays. And during his shift, you just go and then we'll get you out, get you a blow, and then we'll bring you back in for another shift. Yeah. By the way, Lane Johnson, phenomenal at that snatch move you're talking about. He's he's one of the best. I wasn't business. as good at it as I as I wish I had been, <laughs> but uh, I had crazy short arms, which makes that harder. Lane's a total freak of nature yeah. with how athletic he is, how long his arms are. 
I hate guys like Lane. <laughs> I love you, Lane. I'm kidding. I love you, Lane. It'll be over the bro barn before you know it. All right. Uh, last thing before we let you run, and I uh, reached out and asked you to come on the show because we hadn't had you in a while. I didn't even realize it was Father's Day week. I know you've done work with a company over the last couple of years. For those who are now days away from needing to come up with a Father's Day gift, uh, remind us again about my front page, the company you've been doing some work with for a long time. Yeah, it's myfrontpagestory.com. And what's funny about it is more than any other holiday, people don't even know Father's Day Sunday. Like, why do yeah. we get the short yeah, we shit, get. We right? always like, get it. We nobody get it. even yeah. knows no. that Father's Day is Sunday. Here's what I do know. Everybody watching right now, everybody listening, your dad loves the newspaper. He does. Every yeah. dad loves it. They, they just nice. do. Get him a story that's about him. It's a cover. So it looks like it's on the cover of like the Daily News or the Inquirer. It's it's beautiful. You and your siblings can give some quotes about how great of a dad he is. I'm telling you, your dad, like his eyes will fill up when he sees it and starts reading what you guys say about him. Trust me, myfrontpagestory.com. Best Father's Day gift I'm aware of, myfrontpagestory.com. And uh, your point about, I don't think you've ever gone down this road with me before, goes over generations. Because you're right, this this year, the, the new generation, the newspapers, what the hell's a newspaper? They yeah. didn't even know what it is, let yeah. alone that they're going to get one for their dad. You're right, it has even uh, better selling power on Father's Day than ever before. Ross, great stuff. We appreciate you catching up with us. We'll try and get you on once the preseason starts. Why don't you go back to work? One of the seven... <laughs> One of the 17 jobs that Ross had, yeah. but the one we appreciate the most when he does the Eagle pregame shows, uh, preseason games. Ross, thanks for hopping on with us. Good good catching up. Sounds great, guys. Take care. Thanks, Ross. Ross Tucker. Uh, the Ross Tucker Podcast. Yeah. Eagles. At Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter. Uh, he does a uh, good job on Twitter and on his podcast and doing things for Westwood One and the Eagles uh, preseason games. Yeah, he's got a lot of gigs because he yeah. knows exactly what he's talking about. Then uh, we tapped into his offensive line expertise here today. We hope to get Russ on the show uh, down the road again uh, somewhere uh, in the season. All right, John McDermott and Jody McDonald, your Mac and Mac guys, will come back. Got a good guest hour number two as well. Jeff Mosher from InsideTheBirds.com will hop aboard. Uh, so stay with us right here on Birds 365. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Action News, we cherish every moment, and it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News.
and Philadelphia. We celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, ABEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk Champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake a mom. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
once you sort of give it up, sort of like the toothpaste out of the tube, tough to get it back in. Um, maybe that's part of it as well um, from the Eagles standpoint, which will continue into the preseason and the fact that they're going to value those joint practices with Cleveland and Miami more than the actual preseason games. So the starters are going to get get the vast majority of their work in those atmospheres, and it's going to be the opportunity for the reserves. And maybe that's a good thing because we've been talking about how do you, how do you open eyes if you're Carrick Wheatball? You know, well, there's your opportunity, your slim opportunity. All right, uh, I know that. Uh... Uh, we haven't had a chance to go through what uh, is going to get done in these joint practices and the like. And I don't even know if you know yet um, if you will be assigned to one of your many uh, outlets that uh, you get information and uh, get content for. Do you know John McMullen's travel log? Does it include Miami this August? Because Eagles are going to have two of these both of them on the road this year. Last year was one year and one up the turnpike. Very easy travel for the Eagles last season. Just get on a bus and get on the Jersey Turnpike. Yeah. This year they have to fly out to my uh, out to Ohio and fly down to Miami. August in South Beach. Yeah, McMullen, have you gone out and bought a new pair of shorts and or a tank top to make sure that you're not? Because it's going to be hot in Miami in August, Johnny Mac. Well, it can't be much harder, hotter than it was in Florham Park last August. Uh, those, those days oh, yeah, were Ken. brutal. Oh, yeah, it can. Those days were Miami brutal. Miami is, is slightly south of Florham Park, New Jersey. You could get a serious sunburn there, big guy. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm well-versed on that. I've done a, a number of NFL practices. But as far as traveling, yeah, that's to be determined. Uh, gotcha. Always last second, basically. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta. You know, Ed's going. Ed Kratz is going to Miami. He's turning it into a vacation. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna bet we're gonna split it up and do. I'm gonna get stuck with Berea, and he's gonna get uh, South Beach. You want to know something? Even though the uh, Dolphins might be a better team, but the Browns are supposed to be good with the Sean the Browns Watson. are you, talented. You man. get the Sean Watson duty. Good luck with that. Man. And I, I want to ask a couple of the Sean Watson questions, but first, uh, about the yeah, that'll be fun. Oof. Oof. All right, then let me go there now. I think you wrote something about it on, on uh, jacobsports.com, as a matter of fact, about how the Eagles. Uh, desire to get to Sean Watson here in Philadelphia reached all the way back to last season in season when he was a non-playing member of the Houston Texans on their roster, but never activated. They had made the decision. They just weren't going to go there and they were going to put him on ice for the entire season, paid him his entire season's salary and contract, but never saw the field for the uh, Texans. But the Eagles stayed in touch and continue to monitor what it would cost to get the Sean Watson if they were going to trade him. How close do you ever think it came, Johnny Mac? Not close. Not close for the Eagles because he wouldn't consider the Eagles. Um, but the Eagles never stopped trying. And ultimately, to me, the interesting part is if they got that opportunity, and by the way, I think a lot of it had to do with Deshaun's 
relationship with Jalen Hurts, as I've reported before, they're very close. And uh, Deshaun, uh, they're both African-American quarterbacks, and uh, it's very important for them to sort of and, – and Deshaun did not want to take the opportunity away from Jalen Hurts. Now, as I've said before, if he didn't have eight teams clamoring, knocking down his door, and he only had one opportunity, well, then, yeah, he probably would have said, all right, I got to go play in Philadelphia. But because he had so many other avenues, which – you know, people are up in arms about, um, and understandably so, um, you know, all teams care about is winning. They're proving that with Deshaun Watson because as more and more things come out, it's uglier and uglier. And remember, this is the first player to get a five-year fully guaranteed contract. So this is the player the NFL went with and said, all right, we're going to guarantee everything for Deshaun Watson because – and Andrew Brandt says this all the time. We got to get Andrew, by the way, Jody. We got to try to get Andrew on the show about Deshaun Watson. Um, it, it, you know, talent versus tolerance. The greater the talent, the more the tolerance. Deshaun Watson proves that in spades. Yeah, by by his contract, surely can. And oh, by the way, Deshaun Watson spoke yesterday at Brown's camp, and I'll cut him this much slack. He can't win in an interview. There's no, just nothing there's that not he, can he can do, do or say that is going to assuage the people no. who are uh, ready to uh, throw him out, run him out of the National Football League. So he gives it his best effort that he can. There's certain things you just can't flat out say because uh, there are ongoing uh, litigations around him. But uh, the, the fact that he tried to apologize to his teammates, to his family, to the Browns fans. He said, I'm, I'm not ashamed of anything I did. And I don't believe I did anything wrong, but it has made uh, the lives of my family and my teammates and uh, Browns fan more difficult, kind of a half-hearted apology. And I get it. It's a tough and fine line. He's got to walk without admitting to anything, but also doing the right thing to assuage some people who aren't the fan of him to try and maybe potentially even win them over. It's, it, I guess they have to make him available. If you're yes. Deshaun Watson, you're yes. Deshaun Watson's lawyer. Uh, can can you just beg off never speaking to the media before the season starts? Um, that's an interesting question. Certainly, you know, during the season, you have to provide the starting quarterback. Uh, I'll check into that, Jody. That's an interesting question. Off off season, if the rules are the same, I'll check with the PFWA. The pro. Because I was kind of surprised you spoke yesterday, John. Yeah. To be truthful with you, um, I have never. It, it's one of those things that's almost inertia. If you're the starting quarterback, you have to talk. Um, but it is now that you bring it up. I don't know if it's clearly defined anywhere. Um, so I'll check into that. It is during the regular season, uh, but obviously uh, the off season is a little bit different. But I've never known a starting, a projected starting quarterback to not talk in the off season. It's sort of expected. Um, whether it's been clearly defined in CBAs, I can't tell you. And uh, I just was surprised he did it. And the fact that it came on a day after Charles Robinson of Yahoo uh, put out a very lengthy report 
on the investigation that the Houston Police Department did and a specific detective who uh, worked the case and was very willing and yeah, able by to By the way, record. don't get in trouble because those detectives, you know, they're not they're not open-minded. Woof. Woof. Did you read Charles's report? I did. Um, but it's isn't that their job? Their job is well, to it, try it, and it's find different... someone guilty. It's a different standard. Obviously, it's not uh, uh, innocent until proven guilty, which not it with is. the police. It's not. I know, uh, and that's what I'm trying to say. But you know, and that's where I think people, and it depends where you are. But people found it damning. I I don't know because maybe I'm a contrarian. I looked at it the other way, and I'm like, all right, this is a detective saying. He can't not be guilty because of his wealth and status and and fame. Uh, and and I think Rusty Harden actually did a good job uh, painting her as a little bit biased. Um, but we'll see how it shakes out. It's a civil case. It's different. It's preponderance of evidence, not... Uh, um, um, it, but you're right as far as detectives. But man... You see it all the time, whether you're watching Dateline or if you're a fan of those types of shows. You know, you also can't get hyper focused on one thing and say, all right, he's got to prove to me he's innocent. How do you prove you're innocent if it's a he said, she said thing? Right. How do you how do, how do you prove how do you even prove that? I mean. I, so I, I kind of took it a little bit of a different way and people okay. probably yell at me for that. That's all right. And uh, you, it's funny that you went down the TV road analogy. I'm a big fan of Law and Order, any Law and Order, whether it's the original or uh, I'm SVU the or now. there's like 57. Now yeah. they got special ones for Peacock. Any any time of the day you want to find a Law and Order rerun, you can find it on some channel somewhere. If you if you want to go searching hard enough, uh, Tuesday at four o'clock, I could find you one. Uh, Wednesday at three o'clock in the morning, I could find you one. There's been so many law, uh, law and order shows done. You can always find someone somewhere on some television outlet, basically 24 hours a day. And there's a good chance I'm watching it if there isn't sports on at the time. So I'm a law and order guy. And I think that plays their entire premise plays right into what we're talking about here today with Deshaun Watson. You think that they're one big happy team. They all come walking out with a mute. Da, 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 at the beginning of the show, but they are two very separate branches, the police and the attorneys. And the way they have to do their job and the way they have to look at things are completely different. That you, when you get to the prosecutorial end of it, it is innocent till proven guilty, but it's not necessarily innocent till proven guilty on the police side of it. And that's why there is conflict between those two sides. We, we, always have believed or at least before it started oh they go hand in hand well no they don't sometimes they're at loggerhead sometimes they have absolutely different ways of looking at things and i think that's what the sean watson is is having to deal with right now and if you're going to win one of the two you would rather win the uh prosecutor rather win what he won yeah that that's uh, when it's over and done with or at least yeah. it was for all the cases but the two cases that have now uh, been added to it went from 22 cases to 24 cases. They will continue to be investigated or start to be investigated by the police. 
And if they can find it, I don't think they'll have the detective that was quoted in no, Charles no, Robinson's story. No. I think uh, she kind of talked her way out of any potential yeah. work on a new suit going forward. But if whatever Houston uh, police officer is assigned to that case, the Browns could still potentially get out of his contract. That there's language in his contract that says if criminal proceedings uh, should arise from his previous actions, that the guaranteed money in his contract could become non-guaranteed. Do you think the Browns even want to think about that? Um, no, because they've done gone down the road road of of they've gone down the route they've gone down. They've already done it. So from my standpoint, they've done that sort of. Uh, due diligence now if he was convicted of something that's completely different then yes um, I don't think he's in any legal peril I don't think he's in any legal peril whatsoever absent of video showing up that could change everything if you know so absent of that if it continues to be he said she said in a lot of ways I think he's buffered even more because now it's out there in the public setting that Okay, Deshaun Watson's willing to give a hundred thousand dollars to anybody he was untoward with in a massage session. So to me, that that creates an atmosphere where Rusty Harden, I can predict what he's going to do already. You know, money grab, blah, blah, blah. That's how he's going to go about it. He's probably going to be successful. The fact that they weren't able to indict, and it's very easy to indict people. Remember that Dan Lust, who does this show. You know, he's not the first. He's about the thousands that say you can indict a ham sandwich if you want to. And they didn't indict Deshaun Watson. So that says a lot. There's not a lot of evidence. It's he said, she said. Now, I think people get upset when I point that out because they say you're defending Deshaun Watson. No, I'm not. I think he's an idiot. I think he's a moron to put himself in this particular position. And that's why from the Cleveland Browns, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Miami Dolphins, the Carolina Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons, anybody who went after this guy seriously, I'd look at them and say, what the heck are you doing? This guy is putting himself in these positions. And now we know from the New York Times, forget about 24, it's 66, 66 documented massage sessions. What the hell's going on? I'm, 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 I mean, look. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I don't want to get into anybody's personal habits or personal proclivities, but, you know, if, if that's your, your kink or whatever you want to call it, hey, use two or three. Let's stop before you get to 66. 
and put yourself open to this, that's not the guy I want to lead my football team. It's just not. John, I could say. And people think that people probably will say that's unfair as well. I could say variety is the spice of life, but I don't believe it. So that would be uh, disingenuous of me. Um, But I do have a question because, you know, I love my hypothetical questions and I love my look into the crystal ball questions. So I'm going to drag into the crystal ball there, McMullen. Is Deshaun Watson right now suffering from masseuse withdrawal? Because Probably. if he went to the Probably. lengths of having 66 different masseuses over a 17th month period when he was in Texas, you got to believe in Cleveland he's somehow uh, changed his behavior, that he doesn't have... Well, but has he, though? Is he suffering withdrawal? We don't even Do know that. Do you not believe that if he was bringing in uh, two different, three different masseuses a week that something would have leaked out of Cleveland by now, that he uh, is once again a serial massage and he has now just moved his uh, table from Houston to Cleveland, that he is still getting massages on a uh, more frequent and more different basis than anyone on the planet, as far as we know. We got to believe he's attempting to change his behavior, don't we? Well, I would hope so, but, you know, And addiction is addiction, whatever it is, drugs, alcohol, sex. Wade Boggs was a sex addict back in the day, famously. Um, It tends to happen when you get in trouble with your, if you're married with your wife or uh, in the case of Deshaun Watson from a legal standpoint. Um, I would hope so, but it's not always easy to change addictive behavior. And that would be one of my concerns if I were one of those teams. Cleveland has had to have these discussions. Um, and ultimately, it's Jimmy Haslam's call, and he called it. And look, I mean, he's talented. If he was, if he was Reed Sinet, and I don't want to, I hesitate to bring up anybody's name, but, you know, Reed is probably the, the four-string quarterback, yeah, although he's still... I understand why you're, you're referencing yeah. him. Makes sense. He, he'd be gone. He's out the door. Nobody's even looking at him. He's unemployable. Un, un, unemployable. Period. End of sentence. Um, talent versus tolerance. That's all and it is. You're going to get a lot of to- tolerance when you have the kind of talent that uh, Deshaun Watson has. All right. Let me ask you about another talented quarterback where the situation is a little fluid. And that's in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson uh, apparently showed up for the for uh, Ravens uh, work this week. He had skipped non-mandatory stuff prior to. Um, his contract is up at the end of the year. Other guys in his draft class have signed mega deals like Josh Allen. Um, but uh, at least it's being reported. Lamar Jackson has not even entered negotiations yet with the Baltimore Ravens. And he doesn't have an agent. He did his rookie deal by himself, knew that he was going to be uh, pigeonholed because that's the way the NFL does its draft work. They slot the players as to where they're picked, and that's the way he got his first deal done as the last pick in the first round. He has not retained an agent since, so it's a different ground that they're walking. Uh, Everyone is reporting that the Ravens want to do the right thing and want to give him a Josh Allen-like contract. 
even though we all think Josh Allen is a uh, better throw of the football and maybe a better quarterback, wanted to him as an MVP. And it's not Josh Allen. Lamar Jackson does. But Jackson had certainly a lesser year, an injury year last year as compared to Allen. Um, they, they haven't even begun significant negotiations and, uh, Lamar stayed out of the non-mandatory stuff. Now he's in for mandatory stuff. Uh, I like what the Ravens did as far as an off season. I thought the Ravens and Eagles had two of the better drafts and they almost overlapped because of the pick where the Eagles had it. They could have stayed and taken Hamilton. They didn't, they traded up to get Davis. So the Ravens got Hamilton. It's right down the, uh, I-95 corridor, um, is there any comparison between uh, Lamar and Jalen Hurts? They are the two best running quarterbacks in the National Football League. What are the Ravens dealing with at quarterback that's different than what the Eagles are dealing with at quarterback this offseason? Well, a more proven commodity, as you mentioned, despite, you know, people are going to criticize Lamar for some playoff struggles. You know, you mentioned the MVP. He's he's a superstar quarterback. Jalen Hurts isn't. Um, um, hopefully Jalen Hurts gets there, um, but it's different. I mean, uh, it's interesting, and I fall into this trap uh, myself, Jody, so I'll blame myself. A lot of times you put everybody in the in the same group. Lamar seems to be an interesting guy. I know Calais Campbell uh, mentioned how professional he is. Doesn't seem to care. Like most quarterbacks act the same way. You know, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Kyler, Murray, everybody acts the same way. They want to get as much money as possible, as quickly as possible. Um, and Lamar seems content to wait and wait and bet on himself. You know, Kirk Cousins did the same thing years ago with Washington, but he was a lesser player. Um, it's a surprise the way he's handling his business. You mentioned he doesn't have an agent. Um Maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's just laid back by nature. I don't know. But this is not typical behavior from an NFL quarterback. He seems content to wait out the process, and it's surprising. And I don't know how to explain it. So let me make you one of Lamar uh, Jackson's teammates. I uh, got an upcoming season. That's kind of a wide-open division. I know the Bengals went to the Super Bowl last year, but – can you project them to do that again this season? I'm not sure about that. Uh, Steele is taking a step back without Ben. Cleveland adding Deshaun Watson. So it's a highly competitive and I think kind of wide open division. The Ravens are thinking we need to get right back into this. We just, uh, if we don't have the same amount of injuries, maybe they should be taking a page out of the Eagles book and not working so hard during the yellow season because, <laughs> man, they got crushed by injuries last year, specifically early in the year. If they don't have those injuries, they should be a good team again this year. If you're his teammate, do you even talk to him and go, Lamar, see if we can get this thing done because we want to win this year. We don't want to be talking about you week in and week out and your contract status. Does anyone in that locker room have the desire and or the gravitas to go to him and go, Lamar, do you need me to come into the negotiations with you? I'll lend you a helping hand. I'll pick up my agent's tab if we can get something done to get you under contract. Yeah. How's that play in the locker room down there in Baltimore? Well, I don't know. Two of the biggest guys, Calais, I mentioned. I think Mark Andrews was the other one. I, I mean, those are two of the biggest stars on the team, and they're, you know, 
one said he's the ultimate pro and and the other said something like he was you know the leader of our team he lifts everybody up and blah 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 they all have tremendous respect for him um the only thing i can think of is statistically he had his worst season last year um and in theory maybe you know baltimore's trying for a little bit of a discount and he wants to play out the season you know the ravens are have already said we're going to we're going to franchise tag him um if worse comes to worst um he there's been no talk of a trade at all from either stance from either side lamar's and said i want to be traded the ravens haven't said we want to go in a different direction so the only thing i can think of is he had his worst year statistically and he wants to you know prove he's the mvp level guy um and get that top you know be the highest paid quarterback in football type of contract uh, versus maybe the more team friendly contract that he'd probably get right now, which would still be, by the way, really, really significant. Yeah, I would, wouldn't mind much being in that position of, oh, I only might get the franchise tag number, which is more money than I thought I was ever going to make in my life. But uh, I'm not a starting NFL quarterback. Uh, but I, I, maybe I'm putting too much emphasis in, in on this, uh, the way that a franchise and a, in a locker room deal with their quarterback, deal with their lead, leader, if his future isn't 100% certain. Um, the fact that he is going to play this year and not worry about where his future contract goes. And then you get the following year and he's on a uh, franchise tag, which means you're playing year to year. Am I overemphasizing that? That, that it goes a lot to settling a locker room if your quarterback and your leader is locked up. Can you just put that aside and handle it on a week-to-week, practice-to-practice basis? He's our guy. And I'm not going to worry about whether he's going to be our guy tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. Uh, today, he's my guy. Today, he's my quarterback. Today, he's my leader. I'm going to go out and bust it with him. Is that um, as easily said as done? I think it's easier in this situation. I mean, typically... NFL teams don't want to enter seasons with lame deck coaches or quarterbacks either because, but the thought process behind that typically is everybody knows they're out, they're out the door in this circumstance. It's not the case and everybody knows it's not the case. So it's a little bit different, but, but it's rare that, yeah, you don't want a lame duck quarterback. And that's why I keep talking about Jalen Hurts when it is time for an extension. You don't want a lame duck quarterback. But that, to me, would be a little bit different unless Jalen Hurts turns the corner and becomes the clear leader versus everybody asking, oh, he's got to do this, he's got to do that, he's got to do this. So it's different. From Lamar's standpoint, he's going to play on his fifth-year option, right? So whatever that is, 20 plus million dollars. So he's still getting significant money, far less than he would get, but he's still getting significant money that he could live the rest of his life on if he wasn't, if he's not a complete, you know, tool and wasting money, which I don't think he is. So I guess he looks at it from that standpoint. I want to, I want to get that bad taste of last season 
out of people's mouths, become the player I was before that, and just get Aaron Rodgers money. John, you're on the beat, so you would know this better than I would. Uh, I have my recall, which I think is pretty damn good, but uh, you're you're on top of these things, and you have to know the details as they're uh, happening. We talked about it a little earlier in the show. You did. You brought it up to Russ, Ta- Russ Tucker um, that Howie Roseman doesn't get enough credit for the in-season negotiations and extensions that he does. This past offseason, Mylotta and Goddard and Sweat and Maddox, all real good guys to be able to keep in the fold and get done while the season's ongoing. For those four guys, I remember conversation about the Eagles are in conversation with player A, player B, player C, player D, prior to the announcements actually being made. So information got out there that the Eagles are having these conversations, leakage, however it happens, agents, players, however you... Guys, and I'm using a collective yourself and Mosher and uh, all the Eagle beat writers who do such an outstanding job. You, n- none of it came as a shock that, wow, the Eagles are going to announce it. I had no idea they were even talking to them, that the information was out there. How's it going to play this year if they want to have conversation with Jalen Hurd? If he's playing well enough that they at least want to open the conversations with Hurts about getting a contract extension done. Well, they don't have to worry about that because they can't. So, oh, you, I you keep kinda, bringing. I did this yesterday, yeah. and I'm doing it again today. Yeah, they. So you always use that uh, time frame, um, but it is interesting. You know, you can't bring it up. Um, you know, and, and, and you, you you can make it known that you really want somebody. You know, you can't enter in ne- negotiations. You can't extend somebody, but usually teams are going to say. They're going to, they, they have so many issues. They're going to put that on the back burner because they don't have to deal with it. They don't have to deal with it until they do deal with it. So when you talk about Javon Hargrave, when you talk about Miles Sanders, um, even you brought up some of the one-year guys, Kaiser White, James Bradbury, you you got to think about that more seriously because those decisions are are coming down the pike versus, you know, Jalen's got to wait for his turn and that will be after this season. And after this season, it's more important than people realize because they don't have, there's another difference when you talk about the difference between Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, the Eagles don't have a fifth year option. So they have to start the clock earlier than the Ravens had to start it with Lamar Jackson. Um, And they have to make a decision earlier and that, Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. And uh, we will continue to analyze Jalen Hurts, overanalyze Jalen Hurts. He'll be the biggest topic of conversation all year long, even with additions like A.J. Brown and Hassan Reddick and uh, Kazir White and the rookies that they drafted. We think Jordan Davis is going to come in and make a splash. I'm a big Nicobe Dean fan. Oh, it's all going to come back to the quarterback. Uh, That's just the way of the National Football League, and specifically with the Philadelphia Eagles and the fact that Jalen Hurts was second-round pick, was going to be a safety net. Carson did what Carson did. He becomes a starting quarterback, had the year that he had last year, which at times flashed impressively, at other times not so good. But, John, he's spinning that football those 27 passes that he threw in seven on seven this past week, 
man, were those some tight spirals that he threw. That's what we do. We overanalyze the yeah. quarterback. Well, you can only analyze the main what, guy this year. Yeah, you can only analyze what's put in front of you. Look, it's the ball isn't supposed to hit the ground in seven on sevens. And it didn't hit the ground much with Jalen Hurts. So that that's a positive because if it did hit the ground a lot, then you have some issues. So, you know, it's okay to say it's a positive. We are going to hit the ground running with our next guest coming up in just a couple of minutes. Oh, we'll talk quarterback with him, but he and his uh, compatriot on Inside the Birds were talking about the Eagles running game on their latest pod. Oh, we got a lot of things to get into with Jeff Moser, who joins us next here on Birds 365. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on that can you search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Wednesday get-together here on Birds 365. You got John McMullen. Jody McDonald 
And as soon as he sets down, and now we've got him, uh, contributor, editor for uh, InsideTheBirds.com, and also the Inside the Birds podcast, Jeff Mosher, good enough to jump aboard with us here on Birds 365. Uh, you got the good backdrop going. You got a comfortable seat. How's your summer going, Mosh? Has the summer started yet? I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm always Can't interested, Jeff. Uh, are you and Adam, are those iPhones? Are those uh, 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 Android phones? Did, did you have to do that with the logo? Did you have question. to make Hold that? Hold on. Let me, let me check. <laughs> he's looking. He's looking. I've he's Apple looking. approved. Yep. Definitely All iPhones. Right. <laughs> there we go. All right. Good. Good. Good deal. Hopefully, we get a sponsor. Free plug, Apple. Inside <laughs> the Birds nice. and Birds 365. That'd be a nice, <laughs> nice catch. So, where should we start, Jeff Mosher? Off season, I saw you guys uh, talking about the expectations of this team, um, sort of the hype and 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 the realization that the organization itself feels a lot more comfortable with the depth and the talent of this team. A lot of that is common sense. I do have some questions, though, on the depth part of it, because they brought in A.J. Brown. They brought in Jordan Davis. There are certain positions, offensive line, tremendous depth, linebacker, more depth than we've seen in years here in Philadelphia. But I still look at outside corner. I still look at tight end. I still look at safety and say, Oof, you know, one one injury, and that could be really, really bad. Where Where are you on the depth aspect of this team? Yeah, you're right about that. There are there's depth at safety and corner that is obviously an issue, and you know there's still t- some time to address it before the start of camp if they want to do that. But if you look at really the offseason in totality, one of the things that Adam and I talked about that was very sort of hard to believe but true was that if you looked at the Eagles coming off their four-win season two years ago and then looked at the Eagles coming off this nine-win season, big jump, made the playoffs – the questions going into the offseason were exactly the same. Still needed a cornerback opposite Darius Slay. Still needed a wide receiver. Still needed to upgrade your linebacking core as uh, and as your top three issues. So the Eagles really came out of what was deemed a successful season with the same set of question marks going forward as they did a, a four-win season. So since that point, though, they obviously brought in A.J. Brown. They obviously signed an impact corner in James Bradbury and – um, while they drafted Nicobe Dean and there's and, and signed Kaiser White, and there's still sort of questions to be answered about that group and, and their potential, just on name alone, it looks like it's a more upgraded group than what they came out of last year with. And then, of course, they they added Hassan Reddick, so they added a pass rusher as well. So it's been a yeah. The the people in the building believe that they've done what a better job. They feel more ready to compete this year. As we all know, anytime the Eagles played a good team last year, they, their their true colors were revealed. They were not very good. So I think you know Dallas. You start with Dallas because that's a division team, and I imagine that if you ask people, you know, put truth serum into guys like Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni and and some power brokers up there, and said, "Do you think you you got a much better shot of beating Dallas this year?" They would tell you, "Yeah." All right, uh, I want to go to the defensive side of the ball with you, Moshe, because I, I looked up a number before the show and wanted to see where the Eagles ranked in the league. Uh, they had 16 turnovers last year, <clears throat> 17 games, which put them dead in the middle of the pack in the league, 17th, 18th, 16th, somewhere thereabouts. Do you mean, uh, I'm sorry, do you mean takeaways or turnovers? Takeaways, yeah. Takeaways, uh, okay. Turnovers, takeaways. Right, takeaways, right, uh, takeaways. 
fumbles and interceptions. They had 16 last mm-hmm. year, 12 interceptions, four fumbles. And uh, four fumbles over the course of 17 games is not all hell of a lot, but that's uh, pretty difficult to be able to manufacture. Will they be a better takeaway team this year? And if so, is it going to be because of changes along the defensive line? And we'll put Hassan Reddick in that mix. Uh, or because James Bradbury is a better playmaker than Steven Nelson was last year. Uh, how much of an increase do you think we'll see in Eagle takeaways this season? It's a great question, Jody. And I really think that that is what's going to be either a catalyst or a turning point for this defense from last year. I mean, there's no, no denying that their personnel is better. Um, but I would tell you, and, you know, just speaking with John Gannon, hearing his philosophy, I would love to hear John Gannon and Jim Schwartz have a conversation about what it takes to be a good, aggressive defense in this league. Because the last time we had a chance to speak with Jonathan Gannon, he made it clear that he th- he believes disrupting the quarterback is not about hitting the quarterback. It's about confusing the quarterback and and to do that what he's saying is it's schematic it's what are you doing on your back end are you spinning your safeties are you disguising your coverages are you rushing the the quarterback from an area that he does not expect to be rushed from as opposed to Jim Schwartz who was just like no I'm just going to put four pass rushers out there and just constantly have them coming at your quarterback and hit them and hit them and hit them until one of you know one or two throws finally gets popped up in the air and uh, intercepted and so they're two completely different um, thought processes. And I almost think that they're two extremists on this as if there's no middle ground. You know, I think you can create turnovers and and will create turnovers by hitting the quarterback consistently with a good pass rush. I also think you can create turnovers by confusing the quarterback. But if you, if you listen to John Gannon, I think he would tell you what he does on the back end or what he plans to do is going to be more important to turnover creation than simply throwing a, a pass rush at the quarterback. And so will they create more turnovers? I, I would answer that by saying, tell me what Jonathan Gannon's going to do this year as opposed to last year to be able to confuse those quarterbacks. Well, I, I, I do think, Jeff, that uh, – and one of the things, and you know this, going back for many years, and, and people called us a copycat league, and, you know, for years, it was Tony Dungy and everybody, all right, we're going to play cover two. Yeah, two and right. then it became Seattle, Legion of Boom. We're going to play cover three. Now it's Big Bangio. Big Bangio, Big Bangio, Big Bangio. I think we look around this league, over 30% of the teams are now going to play a, a form of his scheme. And that's why I get, you know, people get obsessed with 3-4 versus 4-3. It's going to be everything. They're going to play 3-4. They're going to play 4-3. They're going to play 5-2. Mm-hmm. They're going to play 6-1 tilts. That's what uh, uh, they did against uh, the Rams and Sean McVay, which is the reason Sean McVay hired Brandon Staley, who if people do not know was Vic Fangio's outside linebackers coach. Right. And he told him, run big scheme. Jonathan Gannon and Brandon Staley are best friends. That's the scheme he's running, not Mike Zimmer's, not Matt Eberflus's. He's trying to run Vic Fangio's scheme. It's about uh, uh, sort of disguising the coverage, as you mentioned, at Mm -hmm. the snap and forcing that quarterback to use the extra second or two seconds to figure out what the heck is going on post-snap. 
why i guess my question is why are people so obsessed with three four versus four three it doesn't matter why are people bogged down in this labeling of of what i think are antiquated sort of notions i i probably would say that i agree with you uh but because you're right at the end of the day you have 11 guys on the field what does it matter where you deploy them right um i would just say that i think that in this town outside of the three years of Chip Kelly playing a 3-4. We've been really accustomed to seeing a 4-3. Or even if it was Chip Kelly playing a 3-4, it was a 3-4 from first down to second down to third down and maybe fourth down. You have not seen an Eagles team have uh, what I would say is this much variability and optionality. And that's a good thing. I agree with you. I think that the ability to adapt and do something different is good. But you know, fans like to understand the game and I, you know, five, five, one and five, two, which we saw last year has to be the first time in decades we've seen that in Philadelphia. So I think people get kind of um, an under, they try to get an understanding of what the Eagles are doing. And then all of a sudden everything changes. And now you have a strong side linebacker who's on the line of scrimmage, which we haven't seen in this town in God knows how long, maybe since Seth Joyner. Right. Um, and, and now all of a sudden you're drafting, Jordan Day, a 350-pound guy that the Eagles would always say, no, we don't want that kind of guy. So I just think there's a natural (laughs) curiosity to like, what's going on here? We're not used to this. But I agree with you. There's a copycat nature, and it's sort of ironic that it comes from the Rams because it feels like everything the Eagles do for the last two or three years (laughs) comes from the Rams, from their medical staff to their their OTA planning to their training camp planning and now their defensive structure. So um, the one thing – about, you know, the Nick Sirianni is, is amazingly, I don't think he's ever come in contact uh, or, or he's not related to Sean McVay and he still got the job anyway. Um, but they are certainly, the Rams are are helping the Eagles and Howie Roseman and Kevin Demoff are, are really uh, close friends. Demoff is the president or the GM of the, um, not the GM, he's the president of the Rams. So there is a lot of copycatness going on there. And I agree with you on the Vic Fangio. Um, both of those guys, whether it's Fangio or whether it's Brandon Staley and out in LA, they did have some pretty damn good players though. I should say, you know, yes. whether it was Jalen Ramsey or, or Von Miller last year, or even Aaron Donald. So that's why when we look at this Eagles team, I feel like they've made some pretty big strides. Do they have some of the top five players at their position yet on defense? Not yet. Reddick's really good. I wouldn't call him a top five pass rusher. Uh, you know, Darius Lee, you could probably make an argument, top five cornerback. You just hope, as you guys mentioned that, he and Bradbury stay healthy because if they have injuries, then they're really in trouble at outside cornerback. If they're biting off the Rams, it's nice to be able to say the world champion Rams. If, you, if you're going to go down the road of uh, borrowing some things for them, nice when you're doing so from the yes. champion. I uh, We can call, and the, the way that they disguise it now, they deploy it, is uh, optionality, as you discussed. Front seven. You got the front seven. You got the back seven. Uh, Let's define it for that right now. In that front seven, Mm -hmm. is N'Kobe Dean going to be given a chance? Will there be enough opportunity for him to become the linebacker who gets the most snaps for the Eagles this year in whatever formation they're lining up in? Yeah, that's that's a really good question, Jody. And I I kind of you know, I think J- John and I would probably have better answers in past years when you could see a lot more practices um, at OTAs. But so we'll have to wait for training camp. I think, you know, for Nicobe, it's not a question about his ability to diagnose. He's a very smart linebacker. Um, that's really his calling card. He, he understands how to get to the ball carrier without getting those big bodies on him. 
because he's not the biggest guy in the world. And he's not the best athlete in the world. Um, he's a good athlete. He's just, you know, he fell to the third round for a reason. It wasn't just injuries. But, you know, that's why the London Fletcher comparisons have been made. A guy who can compensate for a lack of, you know, phenomenal athleticism by being really smart and just understanding the game on a different level. So if he can demonstrate that, Jody, uh, I think he's got a really good chance. But they brought Kazir White in. You know, they drafted Davion Taylor. I always imagine that when they thought, when they drafted Taylor, that they would try to groom him into being a nickel and dime linebacker because he can run so well, but he hasn't stayed healthy and he's missed a lot of time. So the the opportunity is there for Nicobe, but I don't think that TJ Edwards and Kazir White and um, I'm missing somebody in that group. I feel like I'm missing a, another name. Edward. Uh, no, it's yeah, and, 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 right, Kazir, right. Yeah, oh yeah, uh, Edwards Davion. and Davion uh, Taylor. I mean, the, the, I don't think those guys just fade into oblivion. I think Nicobe's going to have to prove. Um, that he can at least handle. There'll be a role for him. There's no doubt. I just don't know if it's going to be the lead linebacker or, you know, the top snap linebacker right from the start. You know, it was interesting to me, Jeff, as you mentioned, we got to see about two hours of practice total this spring uh, on field. Mm -hmm. Um, But the Eagles did start the Kobe out very slowly. It was uh, TJ and Kaiser. Uh, then it was Davion Taylor and Christian Ellis, really. Um, and then the third team was Nicobe Dean and Jacoby Stevens. That was the first practice. The second practice, they sort of mixed and matched uh, uh, TJ, Kaiser, and Davion. Mm-hmm. And then they started bringing in those Fangio concepts, and they were dropping the Derek Barnett's and the, and the Patrick Johnson's of the world in the coverage a little bit, like, Khalil Mack would be used back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, people forget that peck injury. And, you know, the Eagles said, no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Are they maybe just starting Nicobe out a little bit slower because everything wasn't fine? Uh, it would, and and it would, there was some truth to that? Well, I would say, it, without knowing exactly what they're thinking, that it it kind of goes part and parcel with how they've kind of treated a lot of their players, especially those who have an injury history. And not only did Nicobe come here with the pec injury, but there was a laundry, a long, long list of yeah. other injuries that he had that now none of them were major. I, I know I think he played every single game in college, but um, we see that with a lot of Alabama guys too, right? They play every game, but then they come to the NFL and they're already suffering from X, Y, and Z wear and tear type injuries. So uh, you know that style of defense Georgia plays. Kirby Smart comes from Alabama. So I imagine uh, with them and their forward thinkingness, they understand at that position, the rigors of it and what he's already been through, that it's probably best to keep him fresh and preserved for camp and not try to throw him out there doing too much too early. So I think it's a combination of all of that, John. All right, uh, Moshe, I have in front of me the Eagles roster. Um uh, put this grouping together. By the way, there were some names at that last OTA that I had to run to the. Uh, there was a there's a wide receiver whose last name I think is Wheatfall. Yeah, Carrot Wheatfall. He's Derek my guy. Wheatfall. Yeah, that's yeah. your guy. Carrot, Carrot All right, Wheatfall. We'll, we'll go from the bottom up since they're alphabetical. <laughs> Wheatfall, Watkins, Ward, Smith, Rager, Pascal, Hightower, Hammond, Kobe, Kane, AJ Brown. You want to put JJ in that group, or were you putting him over? No, nah, he's a tight end now. <laughs> yeah, all right, fine. Uh, and Devin Allen. That's 12 wide receivers. They got 12 yeah. wide receivers on their roster right now out of the 90. Let's go quickly through the running backs. 
Okay, you got Boston Scott. Okay, you got Kenny Gamewell. Okay, you got Jason Huntley. You got Kennedy Brooks. Four. They got 12 wide receivers and four running backs. No, you talked about this. You got on your five. You, for, you forgot Miles, I think. They got five backs. Yeah, I think Did you I, didn't Miles, mention Miles Sanders in Boston, yeah. Miles, Hunley, Gamewell, Brooks. Sorry, five. Five running backs and 12 wide receivers. There seems an imbalance there. I know that uh, you can use three wide receivers on any given set. You, they almost never use two running backs. So, yes, I understand there would be more wide receivers than running backs, but there seems like there's less. Jordan Howard, no, you talked about him on your last podcast. It's tremendously uh, helpful to the Eagles that they can just wait and 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 wait. And then when they need him, go, Jordan, guess what? Come on in the camp. We'll put you on the practice squad. And then they throw him in the game and he's productive for him. When is that going to happen this year, Moshe? Uh, well, let's uh, have me on at this time next month and maybe we'll talk about it. I, the, the beauty of Jordan Howard for the Eagles is that ever since Miami cut him, uh, like at the beginning of the, the previous year, there has been no other team that has showed any interest in no. him other than the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think at this time last year, they were surveying their running back group saying, we need a bigger, you know, a power guy. We need somebody to come in. So they signed him and he had said, he, he basically said I was going to retire, but the Eagles are the only team that called me. So I gave it a <laughs> shot and then they cut oh. him anyway. <laughs> and then they, they put him on the shelf for five weeks then he obviously was a huge catalyst to their running game, but they're smarter this time around. They know that Jordan Howard will be there if they need him because nobody else is going to sign him, right? I mean, he's a, he's a good running back when he's healthy, but he hasn't really been healthy. He's not very explosive. He's a downhill guy, dime a dozen. Uh, he just happens to play well when he's with the Eagles behind that great mammoth offensive line, and I'm sure the Eagles are thinking that too. There's other guys. I think Carlos Hyde is still out there. I mean, there are – uh, probably five or six veteran running backs who are big guys who are out there that the Eagles know that when they need them, they can call them. I mean, literally, they could call Jordan Howard five days before the start of the season, probably sign him and have him ready to go within two weeks. So yeah, that's there's no, there's no been, real impetus for it. That's always been my question. Why don't the Eagles just, as you mentioned, Jeff, you know, not me, maybe Kevin Kincaid, uh, can get five yards per rush uh, behind that <laughs> offensive line. Why not just sign the 225-pound younger guy uh, and go about it that way? But I do think – I think the COVID – the fact that they are continuing the COVID rules when it comes to the practice squad, I think that helps Jordan Howard because yes. now you can stash him on the practice squad until you need him you know, nobody's picking him up. Uh, uh, nobody, nobody, he's on the street, right? So you That's can right. feel very comfortable cutting him, bringing him back to the practice squad because you can keep veterans on the practice squad mm -hmm. and go about it that way. You think that's the Eagles' plan? They'll just sign him before camp and say, all right, we're going to cut you, bring you back, sure. and then we'll, we'll put you glass in case of emergency. That's right. And they, and if it's not Jordan Howard, remember a cut down date, there's always two or three veteran running backs, you know, big guys who, who just get cut from their teams and become available. So they'll have their pick of a guy, as you said, to be there as an emergency in case you need to throw behind that offensive line and get him some yards. So, and watch, they'll do that with tight end too, John, I would think, you know, I mean, obviously yeah, Dallas Goddard's end. their number one yeah. tight end and, Right now, if you had to ask me, I think Jake Stoll would be your number two tight end, but we have to see what Grant Calcaterra can do. And Richard Rodgers, though, he'll he'll always be there. And 
it, it, they'll probably, I would assume they go into the, the season with just two tight ends on the 53, but having two or three on the practice squad, one of which will probably be a veteran like Richard Rogers. Uh, uh, Richard Rogers is the uh, Jordan Howard equivalent at tight end. Yes, he is. we see that the exact same, same way. Uh, if they try and do that, if they try and just go two tight ends, is a guy like Calcaterra good enough that somebody's going to snap him up if they try and get him onto the practice squad and not have him on the 53? Uh, you know, I, I, you, I, a long time ago, I would say it's a six round pick. You, everybody's got a six round pick in their camp that they love. But then two years ago, the whole Noah Togiai thing happened. And, you know, they thought they were going to do that with him. And then the Colts wound up claiming him. And it wasn't not a huge deal. He lost out on Noah Togiai, who's back on the team now and competing for one of those tight end spots. But, um, I, I, you know, the interesting thing about Calcaterra is that he probably would have been a higher draft pick had he not had the concussions in college, maybe if he had stayed at, um, at Oklahoma, Oklahoma, right? Yeah, or, or, yeah. or whatever. But So he's got some talent to him. It's not really much of a blocker, uh, although people thought that about Goddard until they actually asked him to block, and it was like, whoa, you can actually block. So we'll have to see if Calcaterra is, is a guy who can't block or just was never asked to block. But I, I wouldn't really uh, – if you're Howie Roseman – your, your list of things coming out of training camp that are keeping you up at night is probably not whether or not Grant Calcaterra is going to make the team or not compared to some, you know, your number three corner yeah. and, and some other positions. But you do always have to worry about younger players when it comes to the waiver wire versus somebody like Jordan Howard. As you mentioned, Jeff, you know, mm -hmm. literally nobody else wants Jordan Howard. So you can be very comfortable. Correct. But, you know, somebody else might have liked Grant Calcaterra during the draft process and they say, all right, he's out there. Let's take a flyer on him. Right. And then you could lose a, a player like that with some upside. Mm -hmm. So you do have to be careful, a little bit more careful with that kind of stuff. I, I want to shift towards wide receiver. We know AJ Brown is going to be the guy. We know Devontae Smith. And I think a lot of people assume and Ross Tucker, we had on in hour one and he was one of them. He said, Quez Watkins is going to be one of the best uh, third receivers in the NFL. We'll see how it shakes out. I think, and I want to get your temperature on this, I think Zach Pascal is a bigger part of this equation than people realize. Am I overestimating that or underestimating it? No, I don't think you're overestimating it. I think I need to know more about, and I hate to be elusive, I think we all do. We just need to know more about their offensive concept this year. You know, if they're going to be, a more of a pass heavy team because of what they've got and what they want to be, then I don't know that Zach Pascal fits that as much as maybe a Quez Watkins or somebody else. If they want to continue to run on teams out of 11 personnel, you know, you come out with three wide, but you wind up running the ball. Well, Zach Pascal is going to be your guy. I mean, he's a good, strong, physical interior player who can block he can he can do what jj ortega whiteside had to do about 25 percent of the snaps last year except when you want to pull that ball back and actually play action pass he'll catch the ball and he'll make some yards and he'll do some things for you uh, because that's his natural position and he's and he's good at it uh but if you want to throw the ball around a little bit more um then i think quez watkins I think Quez Watkins would be your guy, John, but I, I'm reluctant to, to agree and jump on the bandwagon that this guy is going to be um, some kind of amazing slot receiver, vertical slot receiver. I, I don't think he's the a great route runner. I think he's more of a 
contested catch guy that we've seen so far. And like people have made the Nelson Aguilar connection. Like you put him in the slot, watch him go. And I, you know, Nelson was a great route runner. The only yeah. thing Nelson couldn't do was catch the ball consistently. Catch the ball, yeah. Yeah. Couldn't track it. Yeah. yeah. But he, he was actually runner. a decent blocker too for yeah. his for his size. I mean, he was a willing and adequate blocker for his size. He could get that crack back on the linebacker. And I, I haven't seen that yet from Quez. So I, I really think the best version of Quez is his outside receiver who, even if he isn't getting I the agree. ball, is yeah. commanding attention. So that really doesn't help them from a slot standpoint. But we'll have to see. You know, I mean, it's – it's happened, but I just think that people underestimate what it takes. And, to be and by the a way, receiver. I, yeah, I think Quez is going to get most of the playing time as sort of the wide receiver three, but I mm-hmm. just think it's going to be more of a split uh, with with him and Zach Pascal. So for people thinking that Quez is going to be the guy, the guy, the guy, I think they're going to kind of split that role a little bit more than people realize. Could be wrong. Wouldn't God, be the Jess first Lee. time. Certainly, if they're going to run, John, I mean, it would make a lot of sense. If they still want to keep that strong running game, it makes sense to have Pascal in there as a interior receiver and eleven personnel. Right, but have you actually broken down tape on Zach Pascal, or are we taken Nick Sirianni's word for it? When they signed him, I watched a little bit of Colts. Yeah, tape. I, 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 mean, I watched you know. <laughs> every every Zach Pascal snap. No, I'm yeah. joking. <laughs> I, I, it, Nick Sirianni loves it. I, I mean, that matters when the head coach likes a player. It doesn't very matter. True. Well, I tell you one of the one of the uh, very few observations I could make from the only mini camp that I was able to attend was that during wide receiver drills he was first in line all the time. I mean, he, he was. You can tell why he's the teacher's pet, the coach's pet, whatever you want to call it. Um, leader too, I was very very gregarious, always helping the teammates out. But yeah, always first in line, ready to start the drill and get things going. All right, Moshe, I appreciated the fact that you brought up a veteran running back who's still sitting out there as a free agent who they could look at other than Jordan Howard. Let me take you to a different position because John and I bring this up every couple of days, which is safety. We know the Eagles right now don't have near as much depth at safety as they do at other positions. I check it every two or three days to make sure no one has been signed by any other team. There's a reason there's a bunch of veteran safety sitting out there right now. They're not that good. Uh, we don't know why they haven't signed. Is it because they're clinging to the fact that they may be worth a couple extra hundred thousand in their opinion and teams just aren't willing to pay it? Uh, so I'm going to ask you to project. If there's a trade, there's a trade. And that could be a really nice upgrade at the position if the Eagles can pull something off like getting Chuck Carr out of uh, Baltimore. If not, it's the group that's there as free agents right now. Is Howie Roseman going to sign one of those guys? Whatever time it takes, whatever leverage needs to shake itself out as to what their worth is, are they going to add another veteran body at the safety position, or are they willing to go to war with what they have right now at safety? I think they will add a safety at some point. I don't know if it'll be before camp, in the middle of camp, coming out of camp, but I don't think it's going to be somebody that they're adding, unless it's a trade. I don't think it's going to be somebody that they're adding to become a starter. I mean, I, I, they're, they're happy. They're pleased with the development of Marcus Epps. They want to see him play as a starter. They obviously brought back Anthony Harris because he knows the defense. They're not deep. I mean, Kevon Wallace has not impressed them. And, uh, you know, they talk about Andre Sachere and Jared Maiden. It's nice to talk about that. But, you know, what would they say if those guys had to start games is, is, is really – what you would ask. And then of course, you know, we know they went after Marcus Williams and free agency. So when they tell you that they're really, really happy 
with their their safeties and they, they conveniently ignore the fact that they threw a lot of money at one of the best ones in free agency and just struck out. So that makes me do think that they are going to make a move at that position for depth, most likely, unless somebody becomes available who's a, a starter. Uh, you know, I know everybody says Jeremy Bates, but you know we'll have to see. It's, it's very rare that the Bengals make trades <laughs> like that. Um, so I don't know, but I, I would imagine that they will address the position at some point. I just don't think it's going to be what everybody's hoping for, which is like this final piece of the puzzle. Get me a better starting safety. Uh, he is at Jeff Mosher NFL. Follow him on Twitter, Inside the Birds, InsideTheBirds.com. Listen to the podcast with Adam Kaplan, friend of the show as well. I'll finish up with safety uh, uh, as well since we're talking about it, Jeff. If they are able to pull off sort of the Ronald Darby-like trade in training mm-hmm. camp, and they get Chuck Clark for sake of argument, um, and they bring in that type of player, who's sitting, Marcus Epps or Anthony Harris? That's a great question. That's a great question. I mean, you almost think that they're they're going to be a little bit more selective in – I mean, they brought back Anthony Harris on a one-year deal. Are they really going to go out there and get somebody and then all of a sudden cut him? Because they 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 do like Marcus Epps, and he can run. He helps them out in that position. He runs better than Anthony Harris, which is, again, why I think that they're more likely to pick up a depth piece than a starter, uh, at least at, at, at the beginning. But that would that's a good question. I, I, I would tend to think that if they brought in a safety who's better than both, then Anthony Harris is probably going to play a, a lesser role than Marcus Epps. I mean, we started to see that toward the end of the last year anyway, where Marcus Epps was getting more time in certain situations. All right. Most important question is just because I got your website open and I see a couple of the pictures you guys have up and we got Nick Sirianni with the uh, hat on. Mm-hmm. Um, what will he be inscribing in his hat during the games this year? Are we going in another direction that we can read between the lines as to what Nick Sirianni is thinking or doing or whatever? A little different. I, I was intrigued by it last year. Can we pick up uh, hints on what Nick Sirianni is thinking and doing via his visor this season? I don't know. I wonder this, though. Do you think he has the guts to wear another beat Dallas T-shirt the day yeah. before, the week of a Dallas game after, uh, you know, they got their asses handed to him twice for the Cowboys last well, year. Well, the second one doesn't count. Come on, yeah. the JV game doesn't count. They got their ass well, kicked you, once. You cannot count it if you want. Really but if you count. think that they were going to win that yeah. game, <laughs> if, if all I starters want, all starters. I just want less pandering, Moshe. I want less uh, Phillies, Sixers, oh, no. and no, Flyers no, 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 no. Yeah, Pandering is a way of life here in Philadelphia. You want to get along, is, you got to suck up, you got to talk trash. Oh no, that's that's part of being a Philadelphia sports personality. I think nah, that's just who I don't he is it. too. That's why uh, I, I get in trouble. Like, I know yeah, that's it, why it, you're it John rubs people the wrong way. You got to learn to do better wrong. at that, John. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do know you know it can rub some people the wrong way, and some people like it. But I don't think he's going to stop. I mean, I just think that's his personality. He's like a a one for all, all for one type of guy. He is very it, energetic, very gung ho. Yes. Yeah. It, the one area where it does work, it works with the fan base. Uh, there's one born every minute here in Philadelphia. They love it. If uh, you you uh, turn around and uh, kiss butt on the Philadelphia fan base, you'll always have the fans on your side. As long as Jeff Mosher, uh, you'll always have us yeah, you on your win. side because you do such a great job on both inside the, the Eagles and whenever you come out with us. Thank you very much for doing so. Take yeah. a month off. We'll uh, reach out when uh, camp opens up, get you on again. Uh, Thanks for doing it today.
No problem, guys. Have a great summer. Thanks, Chef. Jeff Morgan from InsideTheBirds.com, the Inside the Birds podcast with Adam Kaplan. Uh, gave us some good insight here today. All right, uh, running late. McMullen and McDonald coming back to put a bow on the show. <laughs> Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Got a couple of minutes left here on Words 365, and I don't even know if we have enough time to do justice to the, the topic that we got approached before we went to break. And I do want to ask John about this uh, before we put the show to bed today. Winking without winking. I've said this many a time about Philadelphia athletes, coaches, and the like, that some people can get away with saying something. And you know they don't believe it 100%. So you can almost see the wink when they (laughs) say it. But they do so without winking. Because if you wink, all right, then you know I'm pulling your leg. Um, 
I thought Andy Reid was a master at it, that he could come on in a post-game press conference and say, well, I got to coach him up better. Blah, blah. And he would take the bullets for everybody. And you didn't believe that Andy believed that, but he would do that because he felt he needed to do that because he wasn't going to throw his players under the bus. That's what I think Nick Sirianni does when he goes down the pandering road by putting on the T-shirt and talking about the other teams in town. It, it's almost like he's winking, but he doesn't wink. That you know ahead of time that he's doing it for a purpose, that he wants to suck up to the fans, but he doesn't want to come out and say, like Jody McDonald would, yeah, I'm sucking up to the fans. You have to be really good to be able to pull that off, to wink without winking. Do you agree with me that that's what Sirianni did this past year? Um, well, I mean, I bring it up all the time. He's actually a Michigan basketball fan. He's not a Villanova basketball fan. Oh, but he's fan, Jay Wright's so, best friend now. Uh, yeah. Um, so maybe that plays into it, but, um, yeah, I mean, I don't get it, I guess. I mean, is it that big of a deal? I don't, maybe it is. I mean, you, you get to talk to callers all the time. Maybe it oh, is yeah. a big deal to them. I'm, I mean, if, if Nick Sirianni wins football games, do you really give a you-know-what about uh, if he likes the Phillies or the Sixers? I, I'll say this. Danelle Pumphrey, who, you know, obviously didn't turn out to be the player um, that the Eagles hope, to say the least, um, but I always felt bad for him because he's uh, a, a Los Angeles fan. He loved the Lakers and the Dodgers. Um and he would always wear Dodger stuff and Laker stuff, and people would kill him for it. And I, what, what, the, what do you expect him? He got drafted by the Eagles. He grew up a like Lee Malone. I never. I guess I don't under. I personally don't understand it, Jody. I mean, because Jalen Hurts. Now it's a little bit different because he's a quarterback. He's a Houston fan. He's a Houston kid. He, he used to wear Astro stuff. Every once in a while, he'll still do it. Um, now he seems to get away with it. Uh, Jalen's so likable, uh, but I never understood it. I, if you think every Eagle coaches, players are, are Phillies, Sixers, Flyers fans, ain't true. I hate to break it to you. No Santa Claus, no Easter Bunny. That ain't true. So and the, the, I, the I, crew that used to get me, and they're still out there, and I hear from them on the phone every once in a while when I'm on WIP, those that think that, as you just kind of point out, you're obligated yeah. If you get drafted by a Philadelphia team, you're obligated to immediately jump on the bandwagon of all other professional teams in town. That's yeah. how they feel. But yet when Rashid Wallace goes to Detroit and wears his flyer guard, well, oh, Rashid, it's the greatest. He's still a loyal Philly guy. No, 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 no. By your way of looking at things, he's got to become a piston. He's got to become a yes, Tiger fan and a exactly. Lion fan. He's in exactly. Detroit now. Mike Trout is a disgrace. Mike, Mike Trout is an absolute disgrace for not yes. liking all, all the Los Angeles teams. Yeah, it can't work one way. I never got it, never understood it. If you be a fan, like who you like, enjoy it, and, and that should be the end of it. And I think it's heavily a Philly thing, but believe me, you me, it goes across uh, all cities, all towns, all fan bases. This is not the only place where it happens. I think it just happens a little heavier here. Uh, so, Nick Sirianni, if you're asking me, keep sucking up, buddy. Keep nah. pandering. Where, where are the, the Eagles? Where the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles are? fans will love you if you continue to do that, Nick. Where are the Eagles garb? He got plenty of it. He's got 9 million Eagles t-shirts. Just wear the Eagles stuff. Yeah, okay. You're fine. Yeah. He saves, he, saves, he saved that for the hat. Uh, all right, partner, you and me tomorrow. We've got Rob Marty's going to join us uh, second hour of the show. 
Um, I'll be back in uh, 22 hours. You up for it? Let's do it. We'll be back in two and two here on Birds 365. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.